Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Unlimited. Today, we are talking about seven steps to mindful time management. Now, this title, in some ways, is a little, it's a little misleading. I gotta be honest here, because it's not what you think. It's not about the best productivity hacks. It's not about habits to manage your time wisely or tools to schedule yourself for optimal effectiveness. What we're going to look at are the components that support mindful time management. But before we dig into that, we are going to do some of the same as the last episodes and actually look at the components of mindfulness and the concept of time management and some of the things that we need to unlearn, we need to recalibrate around in order to engage the components that allow us to mindfully manage our time and create more of a supportive way of engaging time, a more sustainable way of engaging time. So as I said, it actually starts with acknowledging that we have an unhealthy view of what we should be doing with our time in the first place, as well as unreasonable expectations about how much we should be able to do with our time. And because of those unhealthy views that are supported, that are brought into our life by these societal stories, these societal narratives, because we have those, we have to engage them first. And what's going on with them and what the problem is with them in the first place, because that awareness will help us actually engage a greater mindfulness and a greater consciousness around time and how we engage time. I mean, and ultimately, the idea of mindfulness is about consciousness, is is about awareness. If you look up mindfulness, that's the definition, awareness. So (laughs) it's kind kind of critical. So once we become aware of those dynamics, you know, mindful of them, and how we think about time, then we can start engaging time from that more mindful, sustainable place. So In this episode, we're looking at what does it mean to mindfully manage your time? What's stopping you from mindfully managing your time? Some of the things that we're going to cover are understanding what it means to manage your time, being at choice with your time, embracing flexibility in order to maximize your time, the impact of mindset and societal stories on time management, and then, of course, those seven steps to mindfully manage, or as I like to say, engage your time. You know, management, time management is kind of a buzzword, and it's the word that everybody's using. So in order to be able to reach effectively these concepts and break those societal stories, sometimes we have to use the terms that people are looking for so that we can go, um, okay, so here's what's going on with that term. And, you know, as a word nerd, I like to look at what's going on with these words and how are they impacting the way that we engage so that we can shift it to work better for us. So lots to cover in this episode. I do want to let you all know before we dig in that this episode is going to be the last in season one of Unlimited. I am going to take a break through the end of the year so that I have time to put together some of the amazing ideas that I have for you for season two. So 
please make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast. That way, when we come back, or you know, if I decide to do a little bonus episode before the end of the year, you get notified and you don't miss out. So if you haven't subscribed yet, whatever platform you listen to this podcast on, please pause the episode. Go hit the subscribe button. Make sure that you have that so that it pops up when we are back with more exciting content. And of course, between now and then, and as always, feel free to reach out and let me know if you have topics you would like me to cover, if you have questions you'd like me to answer, anything like that. You can reach me via DMs in Instagram, in Facebook, in LinkedIn, or you can send me an email, Valerie at ValerieFriedlander.com. I love to hear from you. And now, without further ado, let's get started. Hey there, I'm Valerie Friedlander, Certified Life Business Alignment Coach, and this is Unlimited. This podcast bridges the individual and the societal, scientific and spiritual, positive and negative, nerdy and no, there's just a lot of nerdy. (laughs) Come on board and let's unlock a life that's as badass as you are. Mindfulness. I'm kicking off with that word because as I mentioned, it is key to this idea that we are engaging around time management. It is a buzzword right now. Everybody's talking about being more mindful, activating mindfulness in their life. And sometimes when we have a buzzword, it tends to kind of take on a life of its own and we kind of forget what it really means. So (laughs) as a word nerd, I figured, all right, let's start there. The essence of mindfulness is being aware. It is being mindful. So noticing, being aware. Now, there are lots of strategies to being aware and being more mindful, such as meditation. And a lot of them involve being more present, right? And and we'll talk in a little bit about why that is. But how does that apply to something like time management, which seems really structured? When we think of managing something, we kind of think of control, like controlling it. And so if you think of mindfulness, it's like being present in the moment, being with things, noticing things, being aware of them. It's not the same thing as control. And in some ways, it can seem kind of like an opposite thing. So we're tying an idea of essentially kind of being present and not being in control per se, but being aware instead to something that we think of as very much controlling and managing. I mean, managing, that's (laughs) that's the word, right? Management. So how do we tie those two things together? And that is the root of where some of those stories that actually sabotage our ability to be mindful and to manage time or really engage time in a way that's supportive come into play. So let's think about time management. Time management is really about energy management. So being present with your energy and understanding your energy. And I guess I'm really struggling with the word management. We all use it. And in some ways it applies because it's it's engaging it. But Again, it's the issue I have with the word management is it's a lot about control. And while it can be helpful to 
have self-control. It's something we all want. We want that self-control. We want to feel in control. Control oftentimes is a lot about safety, and we have a lot of stuff around not feeling safe, which again is why we struggle with time management, because it's trying to control something that is not really in control. So energy is a little bit different. So how we experience time is directly related to how much energy we have for what we're doing and how much energy what we're doing takes, as I mentioned in the previous episodes. So this fluctuates, which can make that idea of managing or budgeting or controlling your time much more complicated than, say, budgeting your money. Whereas like $50 is $50. And and as I say that, I want to also acknowledge that like that's, you know, in a bigger picture context, how that $50 serves you will be different depending on your life circumstances. For example, the cost of living is higher for a homeless person, so that $50 won't go as far as it might for someone with different life circumstances. So I'm saying that with that acknowledgement, but tangibly speaking, knowing that there's you know a mathematical equation there that you can think, okay, well, this costs this, and these are the things that I need to spend money on, and this is how much money I have. It's a little bit different when we talk about time, because again, it has to do with something that's a little bit less tangible, such as your energy and how much something takes. And that's going to vary. That's going to be different. How much time something takes for one person may be different than how much time something takes for a different person. Or something may take a certain amount of time at one time, but that it's different at a different time for that same person. So this is why when it comes to time, it's so important to stay curious versus judgmental and why the idea of mindfulness is so important because it's about awareness. It's about noticing. So if you want to stay at choice with your time, which is the way I'm terming, like instead of thinking of controlling your time or controlling yourself and self-management, To be able to stay at choice with your time, which then maximizes your time, so being aware, you need to bake in time for assessment, for reflection, and planning. It's those awareness pieces that we often don't value in our society, a society that pushes doing and going and producing, as I talked about in the past couple episodes, it blocks our ability to be able to do those things that help us engage time in a supportive way. And this, of course, is rooted in power dynamics because we don't allow time for most people because we don't acknowledge being human. And, you know, more on that if you didn't listen to the other episodes on productivity, the myths of productivity, and on what's killing my motivation, we go into a little bit more around some of that. Now, pulling in that idea of mindfulness and of being present and being aware, something that was emphasized in a book that I'm reading called My Grandmother's Hands, 
which I highly recommend and and have highly recommended several times, (laughs) is that we think of our brains as having this little CEO making executive decisions. You know, it's that being able to be self-controlled, right? Like we can manage all the things. And okay, so we let go of the things we can't control, which is other people, places, and things, but we are working on controlling ourselves and managing ourselves. So we want to activate that little CEO. The problem with this thinking is that Our cortex, our frontal cortex, the part of our brain that makes executive decisions, the most recently developed part of our brain, not only does it take the most energy, but it doesn't even get an opportunity to have a thought about any piece of sensory input, you know, the things that we're taking in that inform us (laughs) about the world around us and how we're engaging it. It doesn't have an opportunity to engage that sensory input unless our basic brain, our lizard brain, the survival mode brain, lets it through. And the question that that part of our brain is always asking is kind of like that guard dog. It's like standing guard to protect us is, is this dangerous or safe? And if it is determined to be dangerous, it's like, nope, we're going to go straight to releasing the hormones that protect us when we have a stress response. And we're going to protect ourselves from this, whatever it is, whether it is actually dangerous or just perceived as dangerous. Maybe it was dangerous at one point. Maybe it felt dangerous. It could have been physical danger or it could have been emotional danger. This obviously impacts so many things. It impacts the amount of energy that we have for a task because if our stress response activates and it like goes, okay, we have to put up all these defenses. We use a lot of energy, adrenaline, cortisol run through our system. We we use energy just within the stress response. So we have less energy to use on the things that we're trying to accomplish. And this is not something that you have control over. Again, you don't choose that. That is something that happens to you because of the way your brain functions. So there's a lot of shaming around like, well, just get yourself together, just manage yourself better, just organize yourself better. Well, if you have any triggers that feed those dynamics, that's going to be kind of hard. So it's important to acknowledge that on a time side of things within that, because obviously that impacts so much. This is a big part of the reason why it's an issue to try and fill your whole calendar. If you're blocking off every single minute and going, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this, you have no room to process. The less room you have to process, the more things seem dangerous. (laughs) So you will lose energy, as it were. You'll then lose time within that. Now, again, this is part of the awareness piece and the importance of the mindfulness with this is not beating yourself up over not managing yourself better and knowing better and the whole mind over matter stuff or like it's all mindset stuff that is often put out there. It's not about judging yourself. It's about curiosity. It's about being aware and noticing. So for example, many people accidentally schedule their whole time because they underestimate the amount of time that they have or the amount of time they think that will will take to do something or, you know, how long it should take, you know, lots of shoulds in this space. And this can create time 
overwhelm. Overwhelm is a space of inaction. So when you feel overwhelmed, you just kind of shut down. This is the basic brain going, there's danger here, like I just said. And it can also trigger a shaming cycle because that is the way our society teaches us to motivate ourselves. You just go back to that last episode on the what's killing my motivation, right? This is how we are taught to motivate ourselves by shaming ourselves. Well, what do you think that does? That teaches us that it's painful. <laughs> that stress, that burst of energy, that the pain that we experience from overscheduling and then beating ourselves up for it or underestimating the amount of time something takes or whatever, we beat ourselves up. That pain reaffirms a reactive approach to time because it then tells our brain, yep, you were right. This is dangerous. Time is dangerous. We don't do well with time. And it may tie to certain activities, certain tasks. It may tie to trying to figure out and budget your time in the first place so you avoid doing that and so you just kind of autopilot through doing things. Any of those things could be the way that your brain is interpreting what is dangerous. And so you naturally will avoid that because, hey, self-preservation. It may not serve you the way you want it to, but your brain thinks that it's serving you. The brain thinks that it's protecting you. So this is where that awareness comes in, that mindfulness comes in, is moving away from that shaming cycle and the blaming yourself and beating yourself up and going, hmm, that's interesting. What happened there? What was going on? What would I like to happen? And asking questions. And this is a big part of what I do as a coach is is be the person who can hold space for you And notice some of those patterns and the connections that are being made and help you explore those from a non-judgmental space, from a space of knowing that you are exactly where you are supposed to be right now because of everything that's happened in your life up until now, everything that you are experiencing, the way that you react, the way that you think about things, what your perception is, is totally normal for you. So I can hold that space for you and help you see things from a more curious perspective and find solutions because when you are more curious, you can see more options. When you're judgmental, we put blinders up to protect ourselves, to prevent the danger, prevent the pain. (laughs) And again, that's how we tend to repeat these cycles. So getting more mindful, if you're working on doing this and you want to deal with time or engage time in a more supportive way. And again, I want to actually also acknowledge the fact that some of this is what we do to ourselves. Some of this is what society does to us because partly because of the narrative, but also because of the circumstances that we experience and what we have access to most readily. So there are a lot more external obstacles to overcome for some people in our society than others because of these dynamics. And it makes it harder, again, because the survival mode kicks into gear. And so there are structures in place to keep us in that space. And I'll get to that in just a minute. (laughs) But this is, I mean, there's, there's a purposefulness in that 
that is harmful. So mindfulness, otherwise known as being aware, require being tuned into your body because these reactions happen in your body. And the body is in the present moment. The body only exists in the present moment. Our brains can think into the past and can think into the future, but our body is tied to the present moment. This is why the idea of being mindful is very much focused on being present. And also, again, part of why being mindful with your time is so hard is because we think of it as organizing our time projected into the future and forget the importance of flexibility, of being in the moment with what's going on and having room to make decisions, having room to notice what's going on and go, hmm, that actually doesn't fit. We will adjust. So a lot of people get very much tied to expectations. Well, I expected it to be like this. And when it doesn't go like that, it feels like a threat. It triggers the stress response because there's danger. So being able to consciously bring in flexibility, to create space for flexibility, or even at the very minimum, noticing and being aware that your stress response gets triggered when you have an expectation that isn't met. Because sometimes we don't even realize that we have expectations. We just get upset. And so this is where that idea of noticing, instead of judging it, noticing. And as soon as you notice, oh, I'm upset. What's going on here? Did I have an expectation? What was the expectation? When you can call that out and notice it, it will shorten the amount of time it takes to process through and step out of the stress response and be able to engage in a way that is more supportive and rather than combative if the expectation seems to have been broken by another person or self-flagellating if it feels like it was you who did this to yourself. So that's where that awareness piece comes in. It's not about not having the reaction. It's about noticing it. Again, (laughs) the mindfulness. (laughs) So being in the moment and being able to go, oh, that's interesting. What's going on there? So in order to be mindful, we must be listening to ourselves in the present. It's another reason why having the space to do that is so important. Coming back to that whole idea of we don't exist in a society that's supportive of these things. And the reason being, it wants us to be in basic brain mode. So we have all of those influences and depending on a variety of factors in how you are in relationship to the society, it wants you to be more in survival mode. So limiting the amount of time that you have to process, giving you more to do, keeping you in survival mode is beneficial because you're more manipulatable that way, because your triggers are more available that way. In a lot of ways, this is part of what's tied to the whole discussion around social media and the issues with social media and the algorithms looking for engagement and, oh, what gets more engagement are things that make people upset. So not only are you scrolling, you're scrolling through things that make you upset. They take your energy 
and they trigger your survival mode. They trigger that basic brain. So it pulls you away from being able to be mindful, not only in the scroll, but also in what the content is that you are being fed because of what promotes engagement. If you haven't read or looked at any of those studies, I highly encourage you to do so. Again, because I'm assuming that since you're listening to this, you're interested in being more mindful. So so this is how and where some of those manipulations are. It's important to be mindful of those because they impact your time in a rather dramatic way in more ways than just the mindless scroll, right? Okay, so now, what are those seven concepts that will help you be more mindful with your time? Well, as I mentioned before, just coming back to and reaffirming, taking a learning approach versus a judgmental approach. So this is learning, curiosity. This is where you ask yourself, well, what's going on here? What happened? Part of that is erasing the story of wasting time, the idea that you can waste time. The reason this story is so problematic is that it's very disempowering. It's usually a judgment that you wasted time because you didn't do enough or you weren't doing something that was obviously productive. So it's something you beat yourself up with, or maybe you beat other people up with mentally. So this drains your energy and it doesn't allow you ownership of your time. So when you think, oh, I wasted time, well, it's too late. Now it's gone and you beat yourself up with it, which affirms that idea, that basic brain's processing of, oh, this is dangerous and will lead you to doing more of the same thing. It doesn't give you room to assess, well, what about that didn't work? What about that made that a waste of time? So if you take that learning approach instead and go, I used my time. Did I use my time the way I wanted to use my time? Was I honoring values in using my time the way I used it? Or would I make a different choice next time? What about it would I choose to do differently? What worked, what didn't, right? So retroactively going back and instead of beating yourself up, engaging it, being curious about it, being open to learning from it. This is part of that idea of growth mindset, which is not something that our society very much supports either. Again, it wants us to be in survival brain. So (laughs) using time, that concept of using time is empowering because you are owning your choice and going, I chose this. And rather than beating yourself up over it, recognizing that because you chose it, you can choose to do something different going forward. Or maybe you reactively did it so it didn't feel like an actual choice, but it is still something that is yours. So owning it doesn't necessarily mean beating yourself up over it, which oftentimes we think of it meaning. It means going, okay, what am I doing with this? As I just mentioned, now let's connect that. Did I honor a value with how I used my time? And So engaging what your values are 
and understanding your values, both as things that you chose as well as things that perhaps are fear-based values. We can have values, things that we hold on to because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't honor that value, as well as things that we honor because it feels good to honor. And either way, both of those values feel very dangerous if we threaten them. So being able to recognize what are those values, what's going on with those values, it's a big part of what I do with clients because it's connected to all the things. So that also allows you to kind of look at, well, what was the purpose in how I used my time? And did it align with what I wanted? And that can be I did something that had no purpose whatsoever. And the purpose of that was I needed some space. You know, maybe it's setting up an opportunity for you to do some scrolling through social media, recognizing that what you're being fed might be things that you don't want, but then maybe it's intentional scrolling where you are actively looking up certain people to kind of check in on them, people that you care about, whatever it is, right? There's so many options here. It really depends on you and what is supportive for you in the first place. The third piece is to create a plan. So, Note here, again, that this doesn't mean that we're always on all the time. There's a difference between being an autopilot in survival mode and intentionally creating routines that you don't necessarily have to think about, right? Like, so that idea of having a closet with only certain things so that it's really easy, you don't have to think about what you're putting on, you have like a uniform. I talk a little bit more about this idea in the ideal day episode. So you can go and listen to that. But that's that idea of you can create routines. You can create space for quote unquote mindless activities or for just sitting and not being productive or whatever it is. But when you can have a plan and stay curious and be in learning mode about that plan and you have room to one, create the plan to assess the plan and three, integrate the plan, then, and what I mean by integrate is go, okay, well, what am I applying to the next thing that I do? That gives you more ownership of what you're doing and how you're moving forward. Again, this may not apply. It may be very hard to activate a plan if your survival brain is going It's dangerous to create plans because I will be disappointed or I will get resentful because I will have expectations. So before you do that step, if that step is too hard, we may need to go back and look at what's going on around expectations and emotional support and navigating moving into more of a learning mode and a curious mode than the judgmental mode and address some of the self-talk that's going on. So I'm giving you these steps, but recognizing that they're going to look different for different people at different times, just like time. (laughs) So yay. The fourth piece is, again, space to assess that plan. So I kind of mentioned that in the last one, but that intentional space to check in is really important. And it is not something that we give ourselves space for or that society really gives us space for. It's very easy to not have that space. It's much harder to create that space for ourselves. So that's a big one. Five is saying no to things, setting boundaries, saying no. To do that It is critical to do the values work first because knowing 
what's important to you, who you want to be in the world, the way you want to experience the world, how you want to show up to the world, the impact that you want to have. Knowing that vision, those values, how that foundation is, is what you tap into to know what to say no to, what doesn't get prioritized and what does get prioritized, setting those boundaries, not walls, but boundaries that support you in showing up and engaging time in a supportive way. You need that foundation first because otherwise you're not going to hold boundaries. You're not going to set boundaries, let alone hold boundaries. And it really, or you're going to set walls and then you're going to get mad when they get knocked over because that you can have the flexibility. We're going to back to back to flexibility. <laughs> so some of this is difficult in that there's a lot of stories that go into when you can set boundaries. One of the ones that I've run into recently is that idea that well, I can't justify setting a boundary around my time here because I'm not doing enough because I'm comparing to someone else, like my husband. If my husband is really stressed out and I'm not that stressed out, then how can I say no? Because I'm not doing enough to warrant saying no. But I don't want an enough that looks like being overstressed and burning out. So being able to go, okay, well, what is enough? Tying back to your values and who you want to be and how you want to be in the world. What is enough? What does enough look like to you? What's important to you? Like what's important about, like when you say, what is enough? And you answer that, what is important to you about that? You know, so going deeper, and this is one of the reasons why some of those DIY programs, even mine, don't necessarily work as well as actually working with someone is because oftentimes we just don't go deep enough. So I can ask all the best questions and you'll go to one level, but without that reflection and someone to go, oh, well, wait, you said this here and this here. What does that mean to you? Oh, there might be something going on here. What do you think about that? Like to actually be able to engage and connect those dots, that's one of the key components. So, but even just asking those questions, what is enough? What's important to you about that? Really helps create more of that space and identify those things that you want to set boundaries around. And recognizing that when you do something different, especially like setting boundaries, if that's not something you've done before, it's uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable. So being able to clearly communicate both with yourself about what you're doing as well as with other people is really important. So creating that container for yourself to support you as you engage. Number six is asking for help. So back to that communication point, asking for help and being able to delegate. So when you know what your priorities are, maybe you look, well, this is what I'm really good at. And this is what I can do quickly because it comes naturally to me. This is hard, but it's still important. Perhaps there can be some sort of teamwork involved. Maybe you work with someone and do a trade with support of like, well, this is hard for me, but easy for you. So this will take you less time and this will take me less time. Maybe we could do these things for each other and create a supportive space and maximize our time, right? So having that team, having support and being able to ask for help and recognize that, hey, you know what? If you like, 
being able to support people. Other people like being able to support people. So having people that are safe to do that with, because, well, that's another, that's another one, because a lot of people in our society have been trained that people aren't safe and it's not safe to ask for help. So that can be another trigger point that makes it very difficult and another place where we might have a little bit of a detour when we're doing work around this. And seven, acknowledge yourself at every point. This is not to say that self-acknowledgement is the only thing that matters, but it is important. You need to be able to acknowledge, to celebrate. So often when I ask people, what are you doing to celebrate? They're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, well, let's think about that. So acknowledge yourself, acknowledge what you do. You know, maybe you're somebody who likes lists. If you create lots of lists about to-dos, create some lists about successes too. Make sure you acknowledge those things. And even if they're not things, they're like mundane things and you're like, oh, well, what is that a success about? No, acknowledge it. Acknowledge it anyway. If you spent time doing something, even if it didn't have the result that you wanted, you spent time doing it and it did do something. So acknowledge those things. And then have people in your life who will celebrate you who will join with you and lift you up and go, yeah, nice job. All right, are we going for coffee? Like, what is it that we're doing to to celebrate that will encourage that celebration? Don't wait until you've reached some sort of goal in the future to be proud of yourself. Be proud of every step that you take toward reaching that goal. There's an, a quote from an unknown person, but I really feel very strongly about that. It is so important to be proud of yourself. I saw a post, and unfortunately, I cannot remember who it was by, but it was something along the lines of like, I start my day by liking me, and then everyone else liking me is extra. Like everyone else who likes me is extra. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> so it all starts with that self-relationship. And Ultimately, that self-relationship is what mindfulness is all about. It is about having a relationship with yourself where you are aware and noticing yourself, where you're present with yourself and you know what's going on. And then flowing from that, being able to have a relationship with other people that can be open and honest. You know, I'll share one last little thing with you. One of the things that I came across when I was in early in 12 step was a list of characteristics of adult children of alcoholics. And one of the things that it said on there was that adult children of alcoholics aren't honest or they tell lies. That's what it was. Something like they tell lies. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't tell lies. I like wear my heart on my sleeve. I tell everybody everything. If anything, I, I overshare. But in really looking at that over time and doing the work that I was doing, I realized that actually, yeah, I was I was telling people stuff, but the person that I was lying to, the person that I wasn't being honest with was myself. That's the person that I wasn't being honest with because I wasn't being with myself. I wasn't allowing myself to see and notice. So that's where it starts, really. And so anything related to time, even if you're if you're looking at, okay, I have all these things to do. I had a client recently say, I have all these things to do. And the person who is helping me is on vacation and I don't know what to do with all of these things. So that is where you get to activate the questions of, well, what's important to me? What are my values? What am I good at? 
what do I want to do and what's important in my space? And how could I support myself in those things? Maybe it's hiring another person to help, or maybe it's saying, you know what, these things just aren't that important right now, and I will check back in in a week to see where I'm at with that, because right now I have these other things that are more important. And so maybe things don't look exactly the way you wanted them to or you expected them to, and you let go of that because these other things are more important. That's the idea of being mindful and being present and having that flexibility to be able to say, okay, right now, just for right now, this is what I'm doing. And I will put a note in my calendar to check back in a week, two weeks, a month, and see what's going on, what's changed. I always encourage people It's not like you set your values and then you're done, or you set your vision and then you're done. It is part of the whole process because you are always evolving and you are always learning. And so while there are certain things that may stay relatively consistent throughout your life, there are a lot of things that shift. And maybe your top five values always stay your top five values, but their order changes, you know? So being able to engage those things and notice those things, that's a key component of being mindful. And it is the foundation for being able to engage your time and your energy in a way that supports you being the person that you want to be and moving through life the way that you want to move, achieving the things that you would like to achieve. And again, those things may change too as you move through life. So (laughs) all of that, it's a lot. And this is why I do the work that I do is because (laughs) this is what I help with. I help you notice these things and be present with these things. Go deeper than you would normally go on your own. Ask yourself the questions that you need to be able to engage life in a way that is supportive and sustainable. And I like to say, be able to make decisions from a place of conscious, loving awareness so that you're supporting yourself and you're supporting the people around you and you're doing the work in the world, showing up to the world the way that you want. So if that sounds of interest to you, schedule a spot on my calendar. I may not be making more episodes for a couple months, but that does not mean that I am not available and I am here for you. So please reach out, ask me any questions. I am taking your input for the next season of Unlimited and I would love to hear from you. So I wish you all the very best. I can't wait to share with you the things that I am getting ready and putting together in these next couple months. So Reminder, make sure you've hit subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss when I come back. And I will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. If you got something out of today's episode, please share it. Leave me a review, take a screenshot and post it on social with a shout out to me. Send it to a friend or, you know, all of the above. Want to hang out more? Join me on Instagram. Or better yet, get on my mailing list to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And remember, your possibilities are as unlimited as you are. Allow yourself to shine, my friend. The world needs your light. See you next time.